Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show, where I am sitting in a room with two very impatient people for reasons I'm, that I can't understand. I'm just so excited. This is like, what, four episodes in a row? I think it's five. <gasps> five episodes in a row. 2021 is our year. Okay. I am. This, this is what has the ants in your pants this evening. <laughs> this is why you've been bouncing around. No. I figured. I figured like maybe you had a story, something to actually talk about, but clearly not. I would have thought I that would... would have been predictions. You seem all the way into those predictions. Oh, we're not ready for predictions, Chad. We have like a whole month before predictions, but we're getting closer to the 2021 season, and we are on five episodes in a row since we could barely master two. Last year, we are winning. Hey, you know who does not have a contract yet to drive this year? Lewis Hamilton. So word is that they're close, but what seems to be the sticking point, at least according to the rumors, is that Lewis has, I guess, requested, required, wants in his contract... It's been phrased a couple of ways. It's been phrased as either veto authority on the next driver to drive alongside of him or to have a significant level of input into who the next driver would be. That presupposes that Valtteri won't be driving next to him much longer. Well, we don't know that. I mean... It could be one of two things. It could be either a move to keep Valtteri there because he doesn't see Valtteri as a threat, or it could be a move to push Valtteri out. I don't know. Hmm. But that's the rumor at this point. And and the rumor is that Mercedes has a bit of um, heartburn over this proposal. Well, the problem is that's kind of against the Mercedes DNA. Mm -hmm. They're... They're not one to say that a driver is not part of the team. I mean, they're the ones that are like, we put everybody on the same strategy. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing, though, to remember is when there was talk of who was going to replace Nico Rosberg and whether or not Valtteri was going to be a long-term prospect at Mercedes, there was a lot of talk, talk of, well, what about Pascal Verlein? Pascal Verlein was seen to be the big up-and-comer in the Mercedes program. And the big thing that everybody said was the problem with Pascal is he wouldn't get along with Lewis. That there is a very diametrically different attitude from Pascal than Lewis, and Pascal would not have been the team player. Oh. And as a result, Pascal got pushed aside and ended up in Formula E. Hmm. Well, that makes some sense. I mean, he butted heads with Alonzo. Pascal Verlein? No, Lewis Hamilton. Oh. I was trying to figure out. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) No, it's, I mean, I think there's a a, a theory that Lewis is, you know, happy-go-lucky and he gets along with people, but he got along really well with Jensen Button, but he divided the garage between him and Alonzo. Well, Well, Alonzo. it, It also depends on whether or not He's truly being challenged mm-hmm. because, again, he went he especially 
in Nico's last two years, he was playing mind games with Nico Rosberg. And the media was a bit complicit in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they kind of encouraged it. (laughs) (laughs) It makes for good stories and column inches. Yeah. So we're still not quite to testing. So where are we going to start? Nashville. There's no F1 in Nashville. There is not. However, IndyCar is coming to Nashville. Oh. Um, The inaugural Music City Grand Prix will be held on August 6th to the 8th. It'll be the 12th race in what is expected to be a 17-round 2021 IndyCar season. And construction will take place on a, or excuse me, the race will take place on a brand new 2.17 mile layout that includes the Korean Veterans Memorial Bridge and construction started on the track this week. Wow. So Swiss company Geobrug is currently shipping over 2,150 debris fence panels and concrete barrier molds for local barrier production. So Local barrier production. If this is the Music City Grand Prix, do you like the corners? Are they like piano keys? And as the cars go down, they play a song and then like the straights they like continue the song no oh nashville that one of its nicknames is music city hence the music city grand prix but if they're trying to make the city <clears throat> but it's it's a serious race not a disney ride oh remember indycar not mario kart <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> now one of the drivers for the inaugural uh, Music City Grand Prix will, in fact, be Roman Grosjean driving for the Dale Coyne Rick Ware IndyCar team. Um, now, it was confirmed. We mentioned this last week that it looked like they were trying to get Roman in there. Um, it is confirmed, but it is he, he will not be running on the ovals. Well, he said that the oval scared him, so... He did, but he also apparently admitted that he was softening his position on ovals up until his crash. Mm. And that kind of backed him down. So um, he'll race in all 13 road and street races that are currently on the IndyCar uh, series schedule. And he'll have his first test on February 22nd at Barber Motorsports Park. Now, he did say that he was interested in, um, there's one oval he's like, well, maybe I'd consider, oh, the 1.25 mile oval at Gateway oh. in St. Louis. That oval, he, he's got an interest in, but he's not running. Oh. And he does not want to run in the Indy 500. I was going to say, that would be the oval <clears throat> that most drivers want to do if they're going to do an oval because renowned. But I'm guessing it's because of the distance that he's that that he's kind of sort of open to gateway but i'm not sure hmm. be interesting to see what's different about it but and he said he definitely doesn't want to race at texas super speedway all righty well the man knows what he wants yep so at his first test which is uh like i mentioned on february 22nd um his helmet design He's going to be driving uh, with a helmet that was designed by his kids. Now, what's even more notable about this is this was the helmet design that he was planning to run in Abu Dhabi this year at his last race. 
I think this is just so sweet. It's not even funny. Yeah. Now, we don't know what the helmet's going to look like yet. That's what I really want to see. Well, his kids designed it so it's lined with crayons. I don't know. We we do not know if this is going to be as epic as the Lando Norris helmet. <laughs> that was awesome. The Lando Norris helmet. <laughs> that was awesome. I, you know, it, that's why Lando is so popular in the social medias in mm-hmm. Formula One, why he will he does not have to ever win a race and people will know who he is because he did things like that and yeah. and put somebody's like piece on his helmet. And you know, I love I love <clears throat> the fact that Roman is honoring his kids and had planned on doing it at the last race, but you know, that was went up in flames too soon. Yeah, that's that, that a little, little much there. A little too soon, huh? Um, I, I mean, I, I I get that right now you're working on your one-liners and barbs, but that, <laughs> that was... That is what I do a little much. later in my evenings is work on my one-liners and barbs. <laughs> um, but alas, I know. I think it's just really cool. I, I hope to see this, uh, this great helmet. I don't know how old his children are, but I know that... When we first started and he got his one race ban, um, he came back and his I think his first child was born after that because yes. he said he would he calmed down considerably when his kids were born. It, I want to say it was well, it, I think it was the following season or it was in the off season between the two in that 2013 time that it happened. So six, seven years old is his oldest. Yeah. So it could be lined with crayons. Probably not. <laughs> now. This does mean that if we can get up to uh, Road America this year, mm-hmm. we could see Roman. I've been known to stalk Formula F1 drivers at an IndyCar race. Formula F1 drivers? Former Formula F1 drivers. You okay. try to say that three times fast. No, actually, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been known to stalk them at uh, IndyCar. Yes, you are. Yeah, there's a sadly there's a picture of me at Mid Ohio. Don't let this woman in the paddock. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're not going to Mid Ohio. Anyway, um, so while we're talking about Roman and Haas, um, I guess somebody reached out to Gunther Steiner and said, you know, so 2021, you know, given what happened in 2020, and there actually was a need for teams to have reserve drivers. Who's your reserve drivers? Hmm. And. While we don't know if Kevin and Roman were in on this discussion first, Gunther said, well, we consider bringing back either Kevin or Roman as a reserve driver if we needed him. Oh, we haven't asked them. Well, that's what I don't know because both of them now have seats. I mean, Kevin just ran for, um, uh, he was at Daytona this past week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. for the 24-hour race. He's got a seat for in IMSA, and you know now we know that Grosjean's confirmed during IndyCar, so they're probably busy. Grosjean's probably going to be more busy during the season than Magnussen because I don't think the IMSA sports car season is quite as packed. Mm-hmm. Although that's another thing, IMSA sports car I believe also goes up to Road America. Okay, we should check that. We should. Maybe we'll do that. Because I know you like him too. I do like, I do like K Mag. <laughs> so I'd stock him too. In terms of the replacement drivers, 
So Haas has done a lot of work in their social media feeds to highlight Mick Schumacher's joining the team. Yes. And celebrate Mick. Well, yes. They haven't really talked about their other driver all that much. Well, are you surprised? He ex- he didn't exactly launch his social media career very well. Who is their other? Oh, oh, it's that guy. Never mind. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that guy. But what... Can we talk about him strictly <clears throat> as that guy? <laughs> well, the, there are now apparently some rules about how we have to address Nikita Maspan. Oh. And... And, and I'm actually quite serious. This comes direct from the Court of Arbitration for Sport. This is one of the big governing bodies for international sport. Well, wait we a minute. We have to do this. Back this truck up. Okay. There was something that went to an arbitration court on how we refer to that guy? It has an impact. Okay. It has a specific impact. So... What you may or may not remember. So go all the way back to 2014. My time machine does not go back that far. Think back to 2014 and the Sochi Winter Olympics. Okay. There were quite a few, and you, you may remember this, you may not remember this, but there were quite a few um, allegations that came out of the 2014 Winter Olympics against the Russian team for doping. Okay. Yeah, the steroids. Um, the during the next Winter Olympics or Olympics of sorts, their track team wasn't allowed. Their entire track team was not allowed to perform. Certain well, swimmers were not allowed to perform alongside um some of their bodybuilders. They were not allowed to perform. Right, but those Russians that were allowed to compete in the events were not allowed to compete under the Russian flag. As a result of the penalties for this. Okay. I remember that. <clears throat> so, um, and, and this was part of the original four-year ban that was proposed by the World Anti-Doping Agency in response to these actions. Okay, but that was 2014 and this is 2021. Right. Um, but when that came down, when it came down on, let's see. Uh, There were no dedicated Russian team at the upcoming Olympic Games and the next FIFA World Cup in 2022. And that was even after they cut the the ban back. So it it had to, it came down on when the decision was reached against them. It wasn't from the the date of the Olympics. Because I want to say it was 2016 was when that decision was initially handed down. Okay. But it's still going on. So, And the Court of Arbitration for Sport announced in December that not only had it upheld the ban on Russia from competing at World Championship sporting events, but that the ban also applies to international motorsports. So what that means is that Nikita Mazepan won is not allowed to race under the Russian flag. Okay. He has to race under a neutral flag. So if so for any time you see him the flag that they will probably display is going to be the FIA flag. That's what I was going to say cuz like in the Olympics they show the Olympic flag mm-hmm. for those that have to 
compete under a neutral flag. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means that um, not just Formula One, but Formula E, WEC, and WRX and WRC are prohibited from using national emblems, flags, or symbols, as well as the word Russia or Russian. Which means when you refer when you refer to Nikita Mazepan and his nationality, he is the new either a neutral athlete from Russia or he can be listed as Russia neutral athlete. The only way you can use Russia in relation to him is along with the term neutral athlete. Because so, we cannot acknowledge that he is Russian now. But, okay, this is where I'm mightily confused. Mm-hmm. He's not the only Russian. Neutral just, athlete. Sorry. <laughs> I was just no, about to... No, on the grid. Daniel Kvyat? Kvyat's gone. But if Kvyat's Russian too, why didn't we have to refer to him as neutral party? Because the decision came from the Court of Arbitration for Sport in December, upholding the bans, number one, and two, saying that it applies to motorsports as well. All right. So... So this isn't Nikita's fault. But you're just loving it anyway. Well, I, I have to you know, highlight the fact that he is not a Russian driver now. He is a Russia neutral athlete. <laughs> driver formerly from Russia? <laughs> no, not allowed to do that. How about this? How about we just refer to him as that guy? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> So what's weird here is that it says that um, prohibited from using national emblems, flags, or symbols, as well as the word Russia or Russian, but they can use the acronym RAF, which stands for Russian Automobile Federation, and they can still use the colors of the Russian flag, but you cannot use the Russian flag. Okay. I'm assuming they also cannot have the... National Anthem? Yep. The decision also forbids the playing of the Russian National Anthem at FIA events, meaning it will not be played ahead of the Grand Prix in Sochi, nor for any Russian victory during the podium ceremony. And actually, it should be nor for any Russian neutral athlete. (laughs) (laughs) Spectators are permitted to bring Russian flags into official FIA competitions, and Russian officials are also still permitted to attend sporting events. So Vladimir Putin, if he wanted to go show his face, he could. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that he he is not prohibited to doing from doing something that he would not have respected the prohibit the prohibition of. All right. So and and the last piece, and I was right here. The court of arbitration for sports decision is valid from the official ruling date and lasts two years until December sixteenth, twenty twenty two. Okay. So that's the other reason why Kvyat got out of it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so officially, we have no Russian drivers. No, we have Russian neutral athlete drivers. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> he will forever and ever be known as that, that guy. guy. 
<laughs> Either that or it's going to be Russian neutral athlete Nikita Maspin. No. <laughs> That's just too many words. Okay. Can't it just be something simple like that one guy? Well, th- that may be it too, ultimately, at the end of the day, because really we don't like him anyway. So, one of the reasons why we don't like him is because, well, his social positions are less than social. Okay. And Stefano Domenicali has recognized, and it's something that Formula One has started this year. They've done a question, well, last year, done a questionable job with it. Let's remember we race as one, except in Saudi Arabia. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But Stefano Domenicali is planning to hold a summit with drivers in Bahrain to discuss their roles in its messaging and their responsibilities as ambassadors for the series. Well, I think that's important. I think I think that, and quite frankly, I think Lewis Hamilton really pushed it. Yes. But I don't think the drivers ever realized the platform and the bullhorn that they really do have. And this past year, Lewis really pushed the envelope and he mm-hmm. pushed it hard. And as with any pendulum swing, the pendulum has to go past the point that people are comfortable And then come back. And I think that's where they are now is to say, oh, okay, we gave you free reign. It was probably a little more than than you should have had. So let's have a reasonable expectation of what works. Well, so Stefano Domenicali acknowledged that that Lewis Hamilton has been a big driver in this. Uh, But what he said was, I sent a letter to all the drivers personally because I want to share with them how important it is they understand that their value in being the positive ambassador of F1. I'm not only talking about the sport itself, but also the values on which F1 is to really focus, like we race as one and the diversity and sustainability projects that we want to share together. I invited them for a meeting that we need to have as soon as possible physically. The target will will be to have it in Bahrain, if it's possible, to really discuss and share this opportunity. We have never had, I would say, in F1 so many fantastic drivers, young, talented, very strong, and we cannot lose the opportunity of making sure they understand they are more than drivers. They have a big responsibility because they are the face of the sport. They have to understand the importance of their behavior, their words, and that we lead by an example is the exp- is the approach I'm expecting to share with. I like it. So, yeah, some of this is specifically aimed at uh, one Haas driver. Well, that guy. Yeah. Now, and and Stefano even addressed this. He said, it was pretty clear what he did. It was not acceptable. It's very straightforward. He was apologetic as a reaction to what he did. We need to make sure that in the discussion we're going to have, they understand that we cannot joke on certain things. It is not possible. They are too important not to understand they are role models and they have to embrace that. That's something that we're going to have to discuss together, not only with him. At the appropriate time, I want to have a meeting with them to realize how important all of them are for our sport. So yes, that guy had an impact as well. Yep. One of the other things that Stefano said, Mm -hmm. completely unrelated to this, is that he really wants to try and avoid the triple headers. You know, as much as we like them as fans, because it means more racing, and for us that's cool, um, it, it's really kind of hard on the teams. 
really well, hard on the teams. And I think, at least in our household, the the fans understood that that was a, a big stretch for the teams to be able to do the triple headers. Um, I mean, yes, I love having a race every weekend, but it's also, it's taxing on us because keep in mind that's an hour to an hour and a half of qualifying on Saturday, followed by three hours plus racing on Sunday. That's a lot of my weekend. That you have so much else to do? I have a lot to do. I'm taking offense to that. This is me taking offense. You will pay for that comment later. <laughs> we watched the race time shifted, so the various other things that happen tend to get paused. I understand that, but it's what I'm saying is it's a hunk out of our weekend, and when we had those triple headers, you and I both admitted that it was nice to have a break. Well, yeah, okay. To, so yes, get off your little high horse. I was making a valid point. You have nineteen hour about nineteen hours of free time that isn't for eating, sleeping, or Formula One. Mom, deal with it. Well, actually, I only have eighteen hours because I have to take an hour to you know yell and scream at you. Um, not all the time, first of all, and second of all, um. 19 hours is a lot more than you think. It's 19 hours long. Yeah. We're going to move on before you dig yourself into a hole you can't get out of. Oh. Let's just go with that, okay? (laughs) So, you know, while we're on the topic of schedules Mm -hmm. and uh, concerns there, uh, there's some concerns about what's going to happen after Bahrain. Oh, So right now, current schedule is for the season to start in Bahrain on March 28th with a race at Imola scheduled to follow on April 18th. It's expected that that would be followed on a race by a race on May 2nd, which is believed to be intended to be Portimao. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been confirmed. The challenge there is, I guess, there's been a bit of a surge around coronavirus. So they're trying to figure out how to shuffle it. So at this point, it sounds like um, maybe what they'll do is a double header in Bahrain and push back Imola a week. Okay. Now, it leads me to think that if they're willing to move Imola back a week, their their intention is that they're not going to have fans at Imola. Yeah, that seems to make sense. It also sounds to me like Imola's not really doing much. Okay. To have that kind of flexibility that they can, you know, shuffle everything around a week says to me that there's not a lot going on in Imola in general. Well, there may not be. Yeah. I mean, not everything is starting to turn back on either. What's the plan for this double header? Would it be like um, last year's Bahrain in which you have like the main course that you see like generically and then you have the big um round course squircle we don't know right now none of this is confirmed it's all up in the air what's happening here so we we don't know if they would go with the the outer squircle course or what um what's dominic what stefano dominicali says is you know officially there is a tbc date there and if it will be Portugal, it'll be written as Portugal. The reason why it's not written as Portugal is because the situation is still not closed yet. 
As soon as we can, we'll be able to announce something, and that'll be in the next days, not in the next two months. He says he's got personal meetings during during the weekend to understand what is the state of the situation, and one of the possible plan, being, plan Bs could be a double race in Bahrain, but this is one plan and nothing is confirmed. We're focusing to try to keep the calendar as it is. He says everyone was thinking that this year would have been easier if you imagine a situation, and it is not. We are totally confident that we can achieve the number of races that are on the calendar. It's a challenge, but we are confident that with the relations we have, this can really happen. But as you can imagine, we are fluid and flexible to be ready with other possibilities. We have already a different plan. B, C, D, and A are in place, and the things that are fixed today can be different tomorrow. That's why we're in contact with all the organizers every day. Wow. Yeah. Um, In terms of looking forward, though, Stefano says that there is still a desire to get a second race in the U.S. Okay. Um, He says that Miami is in more advanced terms of discussion, but there there are others in other areas of the American country. But they are not at the level where I can say, yes, they are there, and I can anticipate something happening. I think that in the next couple of months, we will decide what there will be in terms of possible discussion with regard to the U.S. and eventual rotation or stabilizing with two Grand Prix that are fixed. So it's a work in progress. But one of the other things that he said, which was very interesting, he said, I can guarantee you there is now big interest in the U.S. with Formula One. What we don't have to do in terms of a mistake is that the U.S. needs to be fed with F1 news every day. It's wrong to go the... It's wrong to go there one week, and let's see you have an incredible push one week before the Austin race and then being silent. What we have is a plan of communication that is quite strong in the U.S. We need to hammer information with the right channels in a continuous way. It will take a lot of startup time in terms of investment, but the payoff will be huge. So this is part of our strategic global communication campaign that we need to push this year. So it sounds like Formula One is planning to market in the U.S. more than just right around Austin. That sounds like a good, smart deal because they do have a fan base here. They do. They should embrace us. We could help them. As long as it's going to be something more impressive than F1 Fan Fest Chicago. That was awful. But none... It was a major miss. But none of the unique facial haired people are still part of this marketing engine so maybe with the right italian at the top of it 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 works better you know i I can only hope because honestly my impression of stefano domenicali was that he did not particularly like the u.s so to hear that he's he's looking to get a second race and increase formula one's present in presence in the u.s is kind of impressive to me does this mean that there's now a possibility of a New Jersey Grand Prix? Is that back? No. It's very not back. Now, I mean, I I will put on my calendar, my to-do list, to pick up the phone and call Stefano and see how our podcast could possibly be part of his marketing strategy. Okay. You do that. I mean, why not? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's a wonderful idea. You reach out to him. Um, bet, and, and maybe Tom Clarkson as well, you know, since he's already doing a podcast for Formula One. How can we work together? I, I, I'm sure 
that he would appreciate that. I mean, we could give him top tips. Yeah. So in terms of where else could Formula One go? Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. Miami is a great place. What You know where I think would be interesting? Back to Long Beach. Mm. It was somewhere that Formula One enjoyed going to. My understanding is it was good racing. Could they get that street circuit to a grade one certification? That would be interesting. That would definitely be interesting. Because I don't think they... Because the other place that I would love to see Formula One would be Detroit. But I don't think they could get the funding for Belle Isle. Mm. I just want it to be close to us. How do we do that? So then you'd want Detroit. I'd want Detroit. I don't think there's enough facilities around Road America to make that work. I don't... Well... I think they could make it work. I don't think, from what I've seen, Road America doesn't have an interest in in getting grade one certified. Um, There is a lot of work that would need to be done to that track. Um, And that's the other thing to keep in mind is that compared to IndyCar or NASCAR or one of these other things, just the pit lane facilities have to be drastically different. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to build garages immediately off those pit lanes for the teams to work out of and road america doesn't have that yeah for that matter neither does watkins Glen, and watkins Glen has hosted formula one races um and i can't see formula one going back to sebring because that was from what i understand that was an absolute disaster <laughs> that was worse than indianapolis well maybe they're talking about a track that would be built from scratch. And and that's why I think a road course would be more likely. Yeah. They'll go to DC. They'll they'll race in a parking lot of RFK. They absolutely will not race in a parking <laughs> lot of RFK. Well, they they had IndyCar there. They will not race. <laughs> the idea of a Washington DC Formula 1 race though, would actually be kind of like a cool idea. It could be, depending on how you lay out the course, um, especially considering that Washington, D.C. is a wheel-and-spoke system, mm-hmm. as opposed to like trying to do it in New York, which is a grid. 90-degree turns are not conducive to Formula One. So using a wheel-and-spoke, you could do some lesser, some different angles. But while you could do something like that, like I said, there's only one place that they have allowed motor racing in Washington, D.C., and that was in the parking lot of RFK Stadium. And it lasted for maybe two years before the, the local neighborhoods managed to kick them out. So it's not happening. But, I mean, there's some wide open spaces really close to us. <laughs> there are. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, so looking forward to... We've got some dates now for some car reveals. I saw Mercedes announced theirs. They had a big date in their Twitter feed. Mercedes will launch its car on March 2nd. Mm -hmm. Um, McLaren has now announced February 15th is their date. And I guess on Instagram, they, they continue to tease 
their their new livery. Ah. Basically, it was air guns with a thing that said base coat underneath it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Aston Martin is going to have an event in March. Oh, highly technical date. An event in March. Just like Alpine who says, an event in February. Okay. Um, still no word other than a team launch event in the early part of the year with the car showcase waiting until later. Okay. All we know about them. Alpha Tori will unveil its new Challenger on February 19th, but no other details have been released as of yet. Alfa Romeo will launch their C41 in Warsaw, Poland on February 22nd. And Haas has announced, and I'm assuming this is going to be an online reveal, the FW34... That's Williams. Who did I say? Haas. Haas. Haas has no date yet. Okay. Now, Williams. Williams. <laughs> Williams has announced a, a date for their FW43B of March 5th. Okay. So I thought it was interesting, at the very least, that they're keeping the FW name. Hey, I, I'm really happy. I don't know how long they're going to keep, you know, since it's not Williams' family anymore. I hope they really do keep the, the Williams name, but they're not required to. Yeah. So. Well, they said they were going to keep the name, the Williams name, but that they named the car FW. That was, that was what surprised me. Um, Stefano has been talking a lot. Well, okay. So I may or may not have sent him an email last week and said, Stefano, you've been a little quiet, you know, give a few interviews, juice this up a little bit. Well, you know, when you think about it, when you think about when he was team principal at Ferrari, Mm-hmm. He was not afraid to talk to the media. Right. Even when he was wrong. Well. Like calling Formula One taxi driver before, taxi racing before the uh, Abu, no, it was Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Where we had the duel in the desert. And it was one of the best races that we had that year. It was. <laughs> yeah. There was that. Uh, but he's been talking quite a bit. One of the things that he made clear, hands down, no equivocation here. Reverse grid is over. There will not be reverse grids in Formula One. I, you're welcome. <laughs> I am telling you that Stefano and I have had quite the few heart to hearts. He's listening. I have his ear. It the whole entire idea of a reverse grid just seems like something that will end up in a one big crash. Well, that's one of my concerns with it, but. No reverse grids. Definitely no, listening to me. No reverse grids. What he did say he does have an interest in is a sprint race. Okay. A Saturday sprint race. Um, he would like to do one of them this year. He doesn't know when. Just to test drive the concept? Yeah, essentially. Um, we're thinking if this could be tested already this year, there are discussions going on with the teams in the right forum and I think that maybe this could be the only one thing that could be interesting. But the other thing that he suggests is some kind of format that better showcases new drivers who don't have much of an opportunity for running with testing so limited. He said, we need to give attention once again to the rookies, the real rookies, to di- which I, I think is a shot right at Fernando Alonso. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Today, with the fact that we have less testing, we need to create chances for running, not only in the free practice as already is written into the regulations. Maybe we can create good events, highlighting the fact that we need to focus the attention on the rookies. We have a very good number of young drivers that are already in Formula One, but we cannot stop that flow going on. What I question is, does he really mean the rookie drivers or does he mean the young drivers? Well, that's a that's the first question. I assumed naturally that he meant the young drivers, not the true rookies. Mm-hmm. But here's my concern is we have feeder series for them. So what does what does it gain them so the, to be in a sprint race? The idea is is that F2 and any of the feeder series while they are intended to funnel talent up they're not a, you don't know how a driver is going to perform in a formula 1 car until you put them in a formula 1 car i know i'm phenomenal in your dreams anyway <laughs> you you don't know how a driver is going to perform in a formula 1 car until you put them in a formula 1 car which is why we have so many test and development drivers which is why they go and they will put drivers into free practice 1 mm mm-hmm. To, to see how they handle the car. So this is that opportunity of you can put these young drivers who have not driven in a Formula One car and all of the various bits and pieces around it and see them in a race situation. That's what he's throwing out there. Well, it'll be interesting to see where his mind is actually going because that's something that you would not do at every race. Because if you did it at every race, it would become dull. Um, but if you threw it in for a few races of year to give them an opportunity, like you do for testing. Otherwise, all you've done is created a young driver, like um, a one-year series where you've got young drivers competing in the, the big boys' cars. Well, actually, I think the way you do it and, and maybe it's rethinking the approach to Formula 2 of Formula 2 becomes a sprint race backed by the teams, mm-hmm. all with these junior drivers, the ones who have not made it into Formula 1. And it counts for, you know, half points towards a Constructors' Championship. And I, I think that it's got to still be a fleshed out concept. I mean, it's... Better than reverse grids. I'll go with mm-hmm. that. That is what I will say. But then, you know, it, it still has an impact on a championship mm-hmm. and could mix things up a little bit. It could. So, yeah. And if you didn't know, and I didn't realize this, apparently this year is Formula One's first success penalty success ballast success handicap coming yeah so it is not so the the theory it is not the success ballast (laughs) of you you win races we wait your car down to slow you down but what it is is they're gonna try and take some efforts to hamper some of the ongoing development it's gonna be have less of an impact i think this year um probably 22 is where we'll see it a bit more um but it's this idea that the more successful you are during the season, 
your hours get ratcheted back for aerodynamic testing and development. Mm. And the less successful you are, the more hours you get. Now that's assuming that you could, I mean, if you're a struggling team, you can afford the extra wind tunnel time and the extra development work, but that's the thought process. I think the affording part is obviously Mm -hmm. the issue. Yeah. So before we wrap, because that's the last story I have. Oh. You had a story, I thought. Yeah, I do. So when a new team comes into Formula One, they have to pay um, the standard entry fee that all teams have to pay, but they also have to pay a $200 million rookie fee. Is that dollars or euros? Uh... (laughs) Probably euros. No, I, th- I think it's dollars. Oh. Um, and it'd be pa- the other option would be pounds. So that is officially the prize fund dissolution fee, I believe is, is the appropriate word. It's to offset the, the hit on the prize fund that a new team would have. Oh. And we've talked about this before because right. Hots had to pay it too. Right. Um, but that's the intention behind this fee is to offset the... The reduction in the prize fee fund to the other teams. Exactly. This was what caught Scorpion out of Formula One despite their attempts. They didn't want to pay this, but they, there wasn't any backing down. There have been talks about having this fee being removed entirely. Um, this is mainly due to the increased amount of interest in joining F1. Um, as an, it, their own independent team instead of buying out another team like the current trend is due to this um, $200 million fee. Oh. So, um, so there, this is already in talks, but there, it, it's not expected to take action until the tech changes are supposed to come, come into play because at the moment, Formula One doesn't want any new teams coming in because they're still trying to figure out the new changes for um for like 2023 i think it is in which they're doing like new rule changes and changing up like the cars and all that jazz so So 2022 is the rule change Ah. and one of the reasons they're not going to want new teams right now is that whoever comes into whoever would come into the sport right now would be at a severe disadvantage because the engine has been in development and running for a lot of years. So typically you'd want to see new teams show up when there's a big shakeup in the rules and it re-levels the playing field. Oh, so kind of like what happened to HRT, Caterham, and Marussia. They fell out when there was a rule change because they had all their money had been into the development of the old engine and they didn't have the money to go into the new engine. Ah, but 2026 is currently expected to be the t- the expected date for the change to the next engine spec, which has not been named as of yet. So that would make a lot of sense to your story that it's around that time that they would want to make a prize fund change. That way they can um, ha- be able to open the, up- the doors open for all these new investors as well as new teams that want to come in because otherwise this 200 million dollar fee is just deterring any hope well and i can agree with that they do need to be careful because the floodgates can't open 
because keep in mind we have 10 teams today but that puts 20 drivers on the grid some of these smaller tracks monaco can't handle you know five more drivers well okay keep in mind i think the max for the grid is either is 24 yeah so you could you could add up to two teams in the past what formula one has done is they would run a separate qualifying just to determine and 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 that could be the way to go is part of qualifying is to determine who actually makes it to the sunday race period oh wow you imagine paying all of that and building everything and then not making it to the show that's happened before Hmm. um it was i want to say in the 80s um it was not unusual for as many as four to five teams to not qualify on the grid to to make it to the grid oh wow and it was because there were so many teams that were trying to be in formula one they had to have that separate team qualifying Mm. well on that note we'll call it a show we are so glad you came bye-bye 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 now bye bye-bye remember please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle thank you okay bye-bye now bye-bye bye <laughs> okay are they all gone uh, is, is there is everybody gone <laughs> huh good Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.